We are this morning, Revelation chapter 2. Let's turn our Bibles there. chapter 2. All right, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the special um, morning that you've blessed us with to be together, and especially to be with you, to now just settle our hearts before you as we open your word. Thank you for how you speak to us and minister to us. And you've called us to come to you, to learn from you, to be filled up by you. And that is our desire this morning. We come hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And you tell us that we will be filled. We're in need of you filling us. Nothing else but you, Lord Jesus, filling us up. And so would you do that this morning? Your bride, your people, your church. And that we would walk in your ways and bring you glory and honor. And it's in your precious, in your holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, what does revelation mean? Revealing, right? Unveiling, right? This is the revelation, the unveiling, the revealing of Jesus Christ in all of his splendor, all of his glory, all of his majesty. If you miss that in our Bible study, you've you've missed out big time. (coughs) Um, This is the only book that comes attached with uh, a blessing that's told to us that we will be blessed. You guys remember what verse that's in? Verse 3. Look what it says in verse 3 with me. Check it out. It says in verse 3 of chapter 1, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and third, and keep those things which are written in it, For the time is near. You will be blessed just being here and listening. You'll be blessed if you're reading along with me. I hope everyone's reading along with me also. Don't want to miss out on a blessing this morning. And those who keep the words of this book, who in other words, treasure, cherish, do those things that we receive instruction on. If you leave here and you're not blessed, guess whose fault it is? It's your your fault if you leave here blessed, unblessed. Right, if you'd miss out on the blessing, because there this is the only book where this threefold blessing is promised. And not just that, God wants us to see Jesus in a fresh new way this morning. Not only to see him in a fresh new way, but also that we might understand this book, you guys. Do you believe that? Because some people say it's too hard. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't even want to get into it. There's too much. You know, too much symbolic stuff, and churches totally avoid this book, but there's a blessing attached. And not only that, I believe personally that God wants us to understand His Word. That we would understand this book, all 66 books, and especially this book also. In fact, the Lord helps us to understand this book. You remember, He, our Lord and Savior, gave us a threefold outline right up front, a divine outline so that we can understand this book. You remember what verse that's in? Verse 19 is the divine outline. Jesus gives us this outline. It's so important you don't miss this. Look what it says with me in chapter 1, verse 19. Jesus said to the apostle John, write the things, number one, which you have seen, and the things which are, number two, and the things which will take place after this, Number three, are you with me? So number one, John was to write down the things which you have seen. So what has John seen so far? He saw Jesus. Glorified, risen, beautiful, majestic. You guys remember Jesus was standing in the midst or in the middle of the seven golden lampstands. What are the the seven golden lampstands? Remember Jesus told us? It says in verse 20, what's it say? Seven churches, right? Jesus is standing right in the middle of the seven churches. We don't have to guess what the lampstands are. We know that lampstands do give light. The church is to give light to a lost world that's heading towards hell, that's in darkness. Jesus had in his right hand, what did he have in his right hand? Seven 
Stars, Jesus tells us what they are. Look at verse 20. What's it say? Angels or messengers. He had the seven messengers in his hand, right? Hair like wool, eyes like flames of fire, right? His, his, his voice was like many waters. And John sees Jesus. He hears all of this and he falls as a dead man. You guys remember that? He falls and he's not even moving and Jesus touches him, right? Don't be afraid. Touches him with his right hand. Don't be afraid. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. I was dead and I am alive, and I am alive forevermore. And he gives him the instructions. So the first thing he sees, the things which, 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 uh, which you have seen, number one, chapter one. And then he says, write down number two. What's it say? The things which are. The things which are, number two. That is chapter two and chapter three, you guys. We're going to learn about these churches that Jesus gives seven report cards to. Are you with me? Jesus gives seven report cards to seven churches that were literal historical churches that existed in John's day. Well, weren't there more, weren't there more churches than that, Pastor? There sure was, but seven is the number of completion, and it seems that these churches represent all churches for all time throughout all the church age, throughout all of history, and in fact, even today they exist. We can find ourselves... Listen, this morning, we can find ourselves in any one of these seven churches corporately. And we're going to learn this morning that we don't want to be in the church of Ephesus. <laughs> we want, well, we want to be in the church of Ephesus if we obey what Jesus says. <laughs> but not only that, not only is there, is there instruction for us corporately, but there's also instruction, listen, this morning for us individually, because we can find ourselves in our walk with Jesus in any one of these seven churches. And Jesus offers correction or commendation to us. And he wants us to walk and following him closely and, and walking in his ways. And so he cares so much about us. He gives us this instruction. What, what, a, what a church should look like, you guys. What our church fellowship should be like. Jesus lets us know. So that's chapter 2 and chapter 3. The things which are. And then what's the last part of the outline? What's it say? The things which what? Which will take place. After this, flip with me real quick, chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> this same phrase is used twice. After these things, there it is. I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here. And I will show you the things which must take place after this. So the third part of our divine outline is from chapter 4 all the way to chapter 22. Are you with me? The first part of our divine outline, chapter 1, the things you've seen. The second part of our outline, the things which are, chapter 2 and chapter 3. The third part of our outline, the things which will take place after this, is from chapter 4 all the way to chapter 22. Let me break it down a little further for you guys. Check this out. In chapter 4 and chapter 5, the things which will take place after this, we see the church in heaven. We see the church in heaven. Why is that so important? Because chapter 4 and 5 always come before chapter 6. <laughs> Well, what does that mean, Pastor? In chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19 is that seven-year period we know as the Great Tribulation. And the church is not even mentioned once in there on earth. Why? Because we're in heaven. How did that happen? Because Jesus will come for us and to rapture the church, to bring him to the place that he's preparing for us. And so we see during that time period, chapter 6 through 19, there is some wrath that God's wrath is poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. And at the end of that tribulation period, Jesus comes back, Revelation chapter 19. You guys remember his second coming? You guys remember that? Who's with him? We are. What are we riding? Horses, thank you, Lord. We get to ride some cool horses. I don't know how to ride a horse. I can ride a wave, but not a horse. I can't wait for that. We come cruising, and what does Jesus do? With, the, with just one word, he knocks out all of his enemies. He comes and sets up his kingdom on earth for how long? A thousand years. Thank you, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 20. And then Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, we see the new heaven and the new 
earth, you guys. You know what that means? We live happily ever after. Amen, Amen to that? Yeah. <laughs> is that great? How awesome that is. And, and not just that, just think about this for one minute. We get to stand alongside our dad and watch him create something out of nothing. The new heavens and the new earth. How awesome is that going to be? That's our future, guys. That's our hope. To be in that place where there is no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. And so we can rejoice this morning in so great a salvation, in so great a Savior because of what Jesus did for us to make us His very own. And so now in the meantime, as we're waiting for the Lord's return, we are to be something as a church, you guys. And Jesus gives us instruction. He tells us what pleases Him and what displeases Him. And we need to tune in. We need to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. And so, notice what it's chapter 2. We're going to begin. And we're going to find one messenger per, per church. So there's going to be seven messengers. And there's a particular order. If you like outlines, there's a particular order to each letter, um, generally. And the first part of the letter is um, identification. Jesus identifies the church that is being written to. Identification. Jesus identifies the church that he is addressing. Number two, we find revelation. Jesus points out something about himself that he wants the church to be reminded of. Why do we need to be reminded of things? Let me restate that. Why do we need to be reminded? Do we always remember everything? What do we do? We forget, don't we? Aren't you needed to be reminded? You guys should pray for me. I need to be reminded all the time. Something that the church has forgotten, or it's no longer, it's no longer in the forefront of their hearts and their minds, so Jesus gives a revelation about himself, but check this out. It's, most of them are from chapter 1, the, the vision of Jesus Christ, risen and glorified. The third part of the letter is commendation. Jesus affirms the church in the good things that they're doing. He says, here's the positive. Anybody ever come up to you and say, what do you want first, the good news or the bad news? <laughs> what, what do you typically say? That kind of mixed up, isn't it? Jesus gives the good news, you guys, straight up, front, front and center. He gives a commendation, and then he gives the correction after that, the correction or the exhortation, the things where the church needs to make adjustments. Do we ever need to make adjustments as Christians, individually? We should be all the time, shouldn't we? As we're spending time with Jesus, he's showing us those areas where we need to make adjustments in our life. Lives, not only individually, but corporately, too, as a church. We need to make adjustments sometimes. That we're being led by the Holy Spirit. That we're doing things that would please the Lord. That we're fresh and current with Him. And so there's that, there's that commendation. There's that correction or exhortation. And then the last thing is motivation. The fifth part of the letter. Where Jesus makes a promise to the overcomer. Something that is a reward that's promised. Or rewards, plural, to the church, those that overcome the deficiencies, those that are trusting in the Lord and Him alone. And so, let's begin with the first report card, shall we? We shall, shall we? We shall. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And so John is instructed by Jesus to write to who? What does it say? To the angel of the church of Ephesus. I mentioned last week this word in Greek is angelos. It means messenger. And in the New Testament, we find two uses for this word messenger. It's, I'm going to repeat this seven times, by the way. The next seven weeks, you're going to hear this, this spiel. Here, you ready? It either means a ministering spirit, an angel. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about angels being ministering spirits. Or it's used for a physical minister. It's used in the New Testament for John the Baptist. It's used in the New Testament for John the Baptist's disciples. It's used for James and John in the New Testament also. And also the disciples as messengers. Personally, I believe um, it would not make sense for a letter being written to an angel. 
the kind that have the wings, right? A cherubim or seraphim. I personally believe this is written to the lead pastor of the church, of the church of Ephesus. The one who is responsible for sharing the truth with the congregation. The one responsible for feeding the flock and for leading the flock and caring for the flock to be a faithful messenger of what they receive from the Lord. Are you with me this morning? You still connecting? You still good? Is it, you know what I'm saying? Nowhere, nowhere in the New Testament do we ever see angels overseeing a church. Nowhere in the Bible do we see angels getting corrected, commended, and being given rewards either. So it makes sense that the best view, I believe, is this is given to the one pastoring the church or overseeing the church. Notice who the church is, which church it is in verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus. Ephesus. You guys remember anything about Ephesus? Have your Bibles? Is this the first time we've seen this church? No. In fact, check this out. As we study our Bibles, we can, we can track the trajectory of this church, can't we? It began in chapter Acts, the book of Acts chapter, anybody remember chapter? 18 and 19. The Apostle Paul was involved with the planting and pastoring of this church. Also, you guys remember uh, Priscilla and Aquila were involved in the, in the foundational work of this church. Apollos was there also. And it's so beautiful as you go back and look at this amazing work that happened in this city of Ephesus. And Ephesus, by the way, is, is in modern-day Turkey, and it's along the coast, the, the west coast of Turkey, and it used to be on a bay. It used to be right on the water. It was a port city, but over the years, the, the silt and the dirt has washed into the bay, so it's not on the water uh, as it once was. And so in, in ancient days, they would deliver the mail. It would come to Ephesus, and the mail or the letters would go from Ephesus and then go in this circular postal route, the same route that we're reading about here with these churches as we read the seven churches. Isn't that interesting? But Paul was there for, what was he there for, like three, three and a half years, ministering. He would work. What did he work doing? What was, what was his job? Tent making. He worked making tents all morning long, and then siesta time would come, right? In the heat of the day. I wish we still had siestas. I think we need to bring those back. Especially the summer here, right? It gets so hot, it's like I can get, you know. But he didn't take a siesta. What did he do? Remember what he did? He rented the school of Tyrannus, and what did he do? He made disciples. He rented it with the profits he made from tent making. He said, open house. Guys, come on in. I want to teach the Bible. I want to teach you about Jesus. And from there, it tells us in Acts chapter 19 that the word of God began to go out through all of modern day Turkey. And there were churches being planted. And God was doing this radical work. And, and in this city, you remember, it was a wealthy city. It was an intellectual center. And right there was the temple of Diana or of Artemis. And people would come from all over the world. To, to worship this false goddess, right? And there was sexual immorality. This place was sexually immoral off the graph, much like our culture, you guys. In your face, sexual, everything was in, in, in your face, sexual immorality. And here's a church that's living for the Lord. They're serving the Lord there. There is a church in the midst of all of that. You remember also that Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians, didn't he? You guys remember that letter? You guys remember that letter, don't you? The <laughs> book of Ephesians. You know, you know who else pastored there? Timothy, thank you. Young Pastor Timmy boy. He became the pastor of that church. Who else pastored there? Anybody know church history? Apostle John also pastored there as well. So this is a, this is a church. They got some serious heritage, don't they? They've got some pedigree going on. This church, man, they had some great stuff happening in this church. And the church at this time, when this letter is written, is about 40 years old. The church has been going for about 40 years. And notice in verse 1, Jesus communicates something about himself. Notice what it says in verse 1. These things says he who holds the seven stars where? In his right hand. So Jesus is holding the messengers in his right hand. The right hand in the Bible is always the hand of strength. So what does that mean? What's he saying? What's he trying to communicate? Well, that, I think if you're in Jesus' hand, it's a pretty secure place, isn't it? Amen. Remember what he says in John chapter 10? For those of us who are trusting in Jesus Christ, our lives are in his hand. And not only that, but also in the Father's hand too, right? 
because I and my Father are one. That's a secure place, isn't it? That's a great reminder. I, I like that reminder that my life is in Jesus' hands today. But I think it also suggests a place of intimacy, too. And that's one of the things, the problems that we're going to see that happen in this church was they left that place of intimacy with the Lord. And so, not only that, look what it says. Jesus identifies himself also as he who, what, walks in the midst or in the middle of the seven golden lampstands. In other words, Jesus is right in the middle of the seven churches. I like that, too, because that's where he belongs, right? Right in the middle, number one. Listen, the body of Christ is way bigger than just our church. Jesus dwells equally amongst all of his people. And he is okay with all types of different churches that love him and serve him. And so Jesus is the good shepherd. And where is he? He's right in the middle of his sheep, his precious people, right in the middle of it all. That's where Jesus belongs as number one. And so notice what Jesus knows in verse 2. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Let's stop right there just for a minute. Don't peek what he says next. Don't peek, don't peek, don't peek. You're peeking, <laughs> repent immediately. <laughs> it's interesting what Jesus knows. You, do you know that Jesus is all-knowing? Does that comfort you guys this morning? It comforts me. He knows everything going on in our lives, our struggles, our hurts. Isn't that beautiful? And not, not just, oh, I know what's going on, but he cares for us. And he cherishes us. He knows the thing, our weaknesses, our failures, and he still bears with us. He still loves us with an unconditional love, no matter whether we've, whether we've been to church or not been to church, whether we've been struggling, whether we've not been struggling with having a good day or a bad day. His love is holy. It's, like un, it's unlike any other love. His care is like, unlike any other. He's a good, good father. He's a good shepherd in our lives. You guys, he knows what's going on. But isn't that also scary too? He knows all things. Not, not for everybody here. I think it should be. He knows our thoughts. He knows our attitudes. And again, he still bears with us. He's still kind to us. And I'm so thankful that he is all-knowing. And what's the first thing he says he knows about this church? He says eight things he knows. Number one, he says, I know your works. Jesus, you know that Jesus knows what you do? He knows what you do. He knows what you occupy your time with. He knows what you invest your time in. He knows what you do for him. And he takes note. I like that. We're always under his watchful eye. And why do I bring that up? Because there's some people that labor and you do things for the Lord, and no one else sees, but no, you know what? The Lord sees. He knows. He takes note. He lets this church know, I know your works. Number two, what he what's, what's the second thing he knows about them? I know your labor. <clears throat> that word labor means labor to the point of exhaustion. To the point of you're just so spent. You're so worn out. Have you ever labored to the point of exhaustion for Jesus? <clears throat> I don't need to see a show of hands. But if you have, Jesus takes note of it. I know there are some here that do. You serve in children's ministry, and you've got, you're taking care of diapers over and over and over. No one else takes and you're laboring to the point of exhaustion. There's people that clean the building, that care for the facility, that labor to the point of exhaustion. Some of you moms, you've got that never-ending mound of laundry. You're serving your family. No amens, moms. Isn't that with your kid, that never-ending, it's just like, just keeps growing as a life of itself? And you're serving your family for Jesus? Do you know the Lord takes note of that? Or dad, you're, you're putting in that time at work, and you're serving Jesus? And you're doing everything else in the Lord, not cutting corners, not cheating people, not ripping people off? And you're laboring to the point of exhaustion to make ends meet? The Lord sees your, your labor to the point of exhaustion. These were not lazy Christians. Jesus sees and knows all about your hard work. 
especially serving him, you guys. What's the third thing he says he knows? Your patience. That's our, remember this word in the Greek, it's hupomone. It sounds Italian, hupomone, right? That's how you can remember it. It means to bear up under the weight. It means to bear up under whatever it is that's heavy in your life, and you keep on patiently going forward. You know what that tells me? These people were not quitters. We live in a culture and a society when people are quitters, you guys. This church did not quit. They did not throw in the towel. Jesus sees, please don't miss this, Jesus sees and he knows when you're hanging in there when it's difficult. With difficult circumstances, with difficult people. You ever face difficult people sometimes? We're difficult too, aren't we? A little rough around the edges sometimes. But these people were, would bear up under it. And then what's the fourth thing? Look at the fourth thing that it says with me. You cannot bear those who are evil. That word bear means to endorse or support. In other words, you cannot endorse or support those who are morally rotten. In other words, unrighteousness was dealt with in the church. They spoke the truth in love to those that were involved in habitual unrepentant sin. Those that were saying, I don't, I'm fine what I'm doing. I'm fine doing this, living this lifestyle. And they were saying, no, here's what the Word of God says. If you want to do that, go out into the world and have at it. Just not in here. Just not in the family of God, not in the church. This is a holy place. This is a set-apart place. This is a sanctified place for the Lord. If you want to see God transform your life, come on down. Jesus wants to heal you, touch you, forgive you, make you brand new. But if you want to live that kind of a lifestyle, go out there and have at it. Do all that you want. We're not giving you an endorsement for that. We're saying this is not the place for you. We're to love, we're to hate the sin, love the sinner, right? If you want to go do evil, go into the world. I think the church here, this church of Ephesus, practice church discipline. I guess also what it's referring to. What's the fifth thing? He says, Jesus knows that what? You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. Awesome. We're called to test all things, hold fast that which is good. Check this out. The word tested. Here's what it means means to try or test intentionally and with the purpose of discovering what is good or evil. So you've got these people that come to church. So, so it's happened here before, by the way. You've got these people that come. What's an apostle, by the way? Sent out one, right? Sent by God. People that came and said, we've been sent by God to minister to you, to speak to you, to share with you. And what did they say? That's awesome. Love believes all things. Come on in. Come hang out with us. Let's see how your theology is worked out in your life. We will test with the Word of God. Why? Because Jesus said there will be wolves that come in sheep's clothing. You'll know them by their fruits, right? The fruit of their life. So you give them some time. You watch. And what's interesting is you... you you know who the apostle is? The apostle of our faith is Jesus Christ, the confession of our faith. Hebrews tells us he was the ultimate sent out one. And you remember what it says about him in Matthew chapter 20? Jesus said himself, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So you're an apostle, huh? You're ready for the pulpit. Awesome. Hallelujah. Here's a bucket and a mop. Uh, I'm not called to that. Well, there's some people that need to be loved on and cared for, to be prayed with. Uh, you know what? That's beneath me. Whoa, whoa, time out. Jesus gave us the example in all things. So you're telling me you just want to be in the pulpit. That means all you want to do is be seen by men. The, Jesus said something about the Pharisees wanting to be just seen and heard by men. It also tells me that you don't give a rip about God's precious people because I never see you here praying for them. I never see you here loving, the, loving God's precious people and caring for them. That's a problem. That, this church was faithful. Say, All right, you're an apostle. Great. We're going to test everything with the word of God. Yes, love believes all things, but love rejoices in the truth and not in iniquity, okay? And so maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, Pastor, well, how do I identify heresy or falsehood? Know your Bible. Know your 
Bible. Test everything with the Word of God. You see and hear. They failed the test. These so-called apostles, these self-proclaimed apostles, they were not telling the truth. They were liars. In other words, this church had a good immune system. Are you with me? What's the sixth thing Jesus took note of? In verse 3, look what it says. And you have persevered. You know what that means? It means to carry a burden. Do you know that the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, it tells us that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, the law of love. You know what that means? That means we're to carry one another's burdens, to pray for one another. Someone shares with you, hey, you know what? My, my brother is so sick and he's in the hospital. My son is so sick. You know what you do? You pray for him. You bear that person's burdens. You come alongside them. You know what happens typically? We say, I'll pray for you, and guess what happens? You don't pray, do you? It's like right then and there, when they share that with you, just come alongside them. It doesn't have to be like, you know, super like eloquent. Just say, Lord, please heal and touch and bless my precious brother or sister. Amen. It can be that simple. Isn't that the way it is with our kids when they ask for something? Do you want your kids to come to you and say, oh, gracious daddy, uh, thou art awesome. And you want them coming in King James English or just saying, hey, dad, can I have a cookie? You know what I'm saying? You can keep it simple. You don't need to be like super spectacular prayer boy or girl. Just make it simple. The Lord hears. He hears when we pray according to his will. And so we're called to do that. We're, Lord, I'm called to bear up these burdens, others' burdens. I'm fulfilling your law, the law of love. And this church was faithful to do that. And then look at 7 and 8. Jesus said the same thing twice to the church. You have patience. Two times they patiently endured and have labored for my name's sake. They labored to the point of exhaustion for the name of Jesus. He mentions it twice. And I, think, I look at this. Jesus took note of all these good things. From an outward perspective, this church had it going on, gang. This was, wow, look, good things are happening in your church. If you were church shopping, this was your church. You go online, you see all this cool stuff. Whoa, look at the website. Look at the ministries. Look at the activities. Look at all the stuff. That's a church we got to be at, hun. Hun bun, that's where we're headed. That church, that church is desirable. You know what Ephesus means? Desirable. And can you imagine you're sitting there? We got a letter from Jesus. Yes. What's it say? And he tells you, here's these good things that you're doing. Boom, boom, eight of them. And then what's the next word in the next verse? Never the, never the less. You know what that means? Disregard everything you've heard up to this point. How heavy is that? It's, it's a necessary heavy. It's like, uh-oh, nevertheless, I have this against you. That you have left your first love. doesn't say you lost your first love. You left. Jesus doesn't go anywhere. But we leave our first love. I'm going I'm to throw this out right up front. Has that ever happened to anybody here besides me? I don't even show of hands. It's happened to me. To be totally honest with you doing all these good things, right? Patiently enduring, testing everything with the Word of God. I'm in a good rut. I'm in a religious rut. I'm doing good stuff. And there's motion. And there's commotion, but there's no devotion. Jesus didn't go anywhere. But what He says is, you no longer love me as you once did. Externally, everything looked great, but inwardly, there was a problem. There was a problem in the church, and there's problems. This, this same problem can happen in our hearts, you guys. You can do all this great stuff, and there's no love. Love for Jesus is no longer the motivation. They kept doing, but they stopped loving. And maybe you're there this morning. And Jesus will help us get back on track. I love that He is the great physician. He gives the diagnosis, the prognosis, but He also gives us the cure, you guys. He's such a, isn't He good? He, he wants us to be back on track. He wants not only individually our lives to be on track, but corporately also on track. Because how do you move away from your first love? Think about that with me. How, do you, how does that happen? You drift. 
You drift. It's slowly, incrementally, you find yourself in a place wondering, how in the world did I get here? Man, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm busy. The problem is busyness and activities can suffocate love. Can, can keep us from that place of everything being motivated by our love for our Savior. And there's a priority issue. You could be doing everything right and be totally wrong. 1 Corinthians, if you're taking notes, verse 13. Remember what Paul wrote there about love. 1 Corinthians 13. Paul said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned as a martyr, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And what do we typically say? Yeah, but I'm serving. Yeah, but I'm going to church. Yeah, but I'm praying. Yeah, but... The problem is, it's, it's, we rationalize, we justify that the things that we're doing, the works that we're doing, but the substance is gone. That's what Jesus is saying here. We know the motions to go through. We know the motions to go through to convey to ourselves and to others that everything is right on, that we're on fire, and guess what? We're not. We're not. The flame is out, or the flame is just flickering. We can justify our lack of love by doing stuff, by being busy. And I think it's, a, it's, we read this, and I think it's a good time to take a good hard look at our hearts. Lord, why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing it because I love you? Am I serving you because I love you? Am I involved in this because I love you? He should be, listen, this morning, he should be the first and foremost love of your life. Jesus said, remember to that um, lawyer when he came and asked him, what is the greatest commandment? You guys remember that? Jesus said to do, to what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right? And to love your neighbor as yourself. For on these two, right, hang all the law and the prophets. It's all about love, you guys. And this church is doing everything right, but their hearts are far from the Lord. And we can be there. Our hearts can, we can be doing the right, saying the right things. We can be singing the right things, but our hearts be far from the Lord. And Jesus knows because he sees all things. He knows what's going on. We can fake, we can fake out one another. We can totally snow one another, but we can't snow the Lord or fake him out. He sees right into our hearts. And so, how do I get back on track? How do I get, how, how do I get stoked up again in fire on love, in love with the Lord? Again, he doesn't give up on us. He's so good. Look at the next verse. Jesus said, remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. You've fallen out of love with me. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do or redo the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And so Jesus gives us, I like to remember this, it's pretty simply, three R's. Remember, repent, and redo. It says do, but some of our Bibles may say redo. Three R's to get us back on track. Remember, Jesus is saying, remember when you fell in love with me? Remember when you fell in love with me? Let's bring it to let's bring let's do this this morning. Let's bring it to a personal level. Husbands and wives, do you remember when you fell in love with one another? I see like three or four heads nodding. Was it that long ago? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's been twenty six years almost for me, and I remember. I I try as much as I can to keep that first love flame flowing and hot. But do you remember what it was like? I do. I love to talk to Tanya. I love to listen to her. I couldn't, I would talk on the phone all night long to her. We didn't have cell phones. We had the phones you have to, or. <laughs> we couldn't send a text message, I love you, and put little cool emojis, you know. <laughs> we had to actually write letters and send them. Tanya and I were just talking about this yesterday. Remember those letters we used to send one another? 
No sacrifice was too much for her. Loved to spend time together. Couldn't stand being apart. You think when they're not with you, you think about them. You tell others about them, right? Oh, I met the hottest, most wonderful, beautiful, smartest chick. Yeah. Everybody would hear that. Because I'm in love. You almost kind of like flutter. I mean, it's like... <laughs> Listen, you don't want to offend them. Right? You want to make them happy? You don't want to hurt them or disappoint them? You enjoy surprising them, blessing them? Want to make them laugh? Did fun things, had fun times? You're polite, you open the door. Thoughtful, caring. Let's, let's now bring that back to Jesus. Do you remember when you fell in love with Jesus? When you couldn't wait to spend time with him? To listen to him? To talk to him? To be in his presence? To be gathered with other people that love the Lord just like you? You couldn't wait to serve him? I remember singing songs to Jesus. I didn't even know any songs. It was like, Jesus is groovy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. I can't remember what it was. You know, it just coming out of my heart because I love Jesus. He saved me. He rescued me. I'm not, I'm not going to hell. I'm forgiven. I can't believe you forgave me, Lord. This is awesome. A brand new life. A new start. A fresh start. How can I not praise you and thank you? Give you my all. Oh, God, thank you. Listen, are you still in love with Jesus this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and say, I've never been in love with Jesus. That's okay, because today's the day you open your heart to Him. That you might come to love Him and to walk with Him. That word remember, it's in the continual tense. It's to continually, progressively take a trip down memory lane to be reminded of what it was like when you first fell in love with Him. And then what's the second R? What's it say? What's it say? Repent? Does your Bible say repent? Or just keep going the same direction you're going? Just keep going. You're good. He's saying repent. You know what that means? Stop. Stop going the direction you're going. Stop and turn around and come back to me. You're drifting further and further away from me. Come back. It means to have a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction. It means you hear what is being said. You hear what's being communicated. And after hearing this, you act differently as well. That's what repentance is. It's not just lip service. It's life service. It's heart service. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. I realize now I'm off course. Thank you for showing me. Thank you for being patient with me, not giving up on me. God, help me stoke the fire in my heart again. Do you know that Jesus loves you the same yesterday, today, and forever the same? And he, he welcomes us back. The Bible says about Jesus Christ, our Lord, my Jesus. You know what it says about my Jesus? It says a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench. You know what that means? You got a little, you got that little, you got a little bit of love in your heart for Jesus. He's not going to come and go, see ya. Little flame, little flame, I'm done with you. You know what he does? He fans the flame. If you want him to. And he stokes it back up again. You know what I'm talking about? Are you with me this morning? Remember, repent, and what's the third R? To redo the first works. Hey, the works are good. The things that you were doing at the beginning were good. Why? Because they were motivated by love for Jesus. Because it was out of your love relationship. Listen, when, when your love relationship is right with the Lord and you're, you're fresh and you're current with Him, everything will flow from that. Love involves action. He's saying, dig into your relationship with me. and Or else, that's kind of frightening. Or else what? You never want to hear those words from the Lord. We don't want to hear that. Or else I will come to you quickly, promptly, and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent, unless you change, unless you're serious about a change being made. Jesus says what? If you don't make an adjustment, what you got will be gone. And he's, I don't think he's talking about losing your salvation. I think he's talking about turning off your light. 
turning off your witness. I'll find another church that will step in and shine brightly because they love me. To me, that's frightening. It's like he's saying, I don't want a church just full of programs, full of ministries and methodologies that's good externally, but there's nothing happening on the inside. I don't want, I don't want a church that's playing church. I want your heart. And for me, this is serious. I mean, we want to have a lasting, enduring, significant church. And the only way that's going to happen is if we love Jesus. And it starts with, it starts with us, you guys. With our hearts this morning, individually. And then Jesus commends the church again. It's kind of like, you ever been around a person that they got some bad news for you, and they begin and end with some commendation? <laughs> Here it is. There's the second commendation. Verse 6, what's it say? But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. I think we need to pay particular attention when Jesus hates something. Anybody else agree with me on that? <laughs> so he says, this is what I hate. You guys hate this. I hate this. Thumbs up. Then we have to ask ourselves, who in the world are the Nicolaitans and what are their deeds? Well, Later in chapter 2, Jesus also says, I hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Verse 15, we'll see that in just a moment. Oh, well, not today. A couple weeks from now. So who in the world? We don't find these Nicolaitans anywhere else in Scripture. What in the world is a Nicolaitan? I think the only way that I think we can find out is to look up the word in the Greek, Nicolaitan, and it's a combination, check this out, it's a combination of two words, and it means conquer people, or rule over people. Are you with me? So you've got a group of people in the church that are conquering people, ruling over people, lording it over people. Are you with me? There's a hierarchy in the church that was happening, that practice. And what happens is, when you become a leader that puts yourself in such a prominent place, that now you're the mediator between God and men, you're in a bad, dangerous position. Because there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You're getting, in, you're getting in the way of people's love relationship with the Lord. You're putting yourself in that place. If you're the deeds of the Nicolaitans, you're ruling over people, lording it over people. Well, that's heavy, you guys. And this church said, we don't want, we're not going to tolerate that. And you know, there are churches today that do that. You can only hear from us, us special leaders. We have the keys to, to unlocking the scriptures. And only you, you can only come to us to get the A-OK -okay for what you want to do in your life. That's nonsense, you guys. Jesus hates that. Why? Because it takes him out of the equation. Jesus has your phone number. He loves you. Do you realize that this morning? You don't need to go to a pope, priest, pastor, no one else. I'm getting some heads, some heads looking now. You don't need to go to anyone else but to Jesus. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You've got direct access to him. Don't let anyone put a man in between you and him. So important. And what does Jesus say? How does he finish? Time's up. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to who? To the Anybody here have an ear? Spiritual ears we're talking about here. If you have an ear to hear, we need to hear what the Spirit is saying to who? Not just this one church, but all seven of them. We need to tune in. We need to tune in, take note, and walk in these things that Jesus wants us to walk in individually and corporately as a church. These are the things that please Him. These are the things that displease Him. And if you're hearing from the Lord this morning, from the Holy Spirit, and you need to make an adjustment, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment. I want to pray for you. Don't leave this place. Don't leave this place unchanged this morning. If you've left your first love, if you've cooled off, he gives us the, the cure. The great physician gives us the cure. He loves you. You're his child. You're his sheep. And then he says what? To him who overcomes is a promise. Here's the promise. To him who overcomes, 
I, Jesus promises, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Isn't that a great promise? How do I become an overcomer? Do I have to pull up my pants and get rough and tough and overcome? Is that how we do it? How do you become an overcomer? 1 John 5. I'm going to say this seven times, by the way, because there's seven churches, because Jesus gives a promise for the overcomer every church. 1 John 5, 5. Who is he who overcomes? Listen to this. The answer is in our Bibles. 1 John, the epistle, 5, 5 says, Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Are you an overcomer this morning? Are you trusting in Jesus, the Son of God? If that's the case, then this promise is for us. That Jesus will give us, and by the way, this tree of life is mentioned in Revelation chapter 22. Two times. I think it's like chapter, I think it's chapter 22, verse 2 and 14, somewhere in that region. This amazing fruit. Can you imagine Jesus picking this fruit and saying, let's share this together. I want to share this with you. So great to share food together, isn't it? Food from, from this special tree for all eternity. How glorious. Can I encourage you this morning to turn your eyes upon Jesus, the eyes of your heart. And when you do, when you turn the eyes of your heart to Jesus, you know whose eyes you meet are His, because His eyes go to and fro, the Bible says throughout this whole earth, looking for a heart that's loyal unto Him. And you're going to meet His gaze, His loving gaze. And let Him stoke the fire of your heart. That we would never have to hear those words from Him, you left your first love. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank You so much this morning that You don't give up on us. You're so faithful. So kind, so gracious. Thank you that you see everything, that you know everything. And that you still love us. Thank you for your mercies, your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for second chances that you offer us. Fresh start. This morning is...